Hey everybody, I'm Peter, and Bladewing was my nickname in high school. Speaking of high school, it's Mr. Young. How you doing, Mr. Young? Huh, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so, starting your first day of school, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, we are talking Season 2, Episode 7, Wings of Ma- the Master, with our guest from... These aren't the nerds you're looking for podcast. They're a Clone Wars review podcast. It's Kevin Horde. How you doing, Kev? Hey, how you doing? That uh, that show title is a mouthful. Sorry about that. <laughs> I know. I had to look at it for a second because I'm just like, I always forget. It's like, these aren't the nerds you're looking for. Not These are not the nerds you're looking for. And so yeah. I just want to make sure I did it right. We decided to put the contraction in there to be uh, closer to, you know, quote, accurate, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Just kind of make people work for it a little bit, right? Yeah, it's good. Cool. So like I said, we are doing season two, episode seven. Um, We don't really have any announcements this week. Um, So you want to just jump into it, Mike? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, you you feeling ready for this? I'm feeling ready. Let's go. Sweet. Season two, episode seven, Wings of the Master, with the rebels in desperate need of a ship with heavy weaponry, Hera seeks out a master engineer who has built a powerful new starfighter prototype. Oh, man. Yeah, so the first the first thing we have going on here is we encounter the blockade. The crew is trying mm-hmm. to break through it on the mountain planet, which I... Do you know what? I, I know that all planets have just like one <laughs> type of thing they are, like water planet, mm-hmm. desert planet. But the mountain planet sounds wonderful. Just like a mountain planet of Ibar. 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 Yep. It seems inconvenient to me. Like if everything was just a mountain, like every road would be a windy mountainous road. Couldn't, couldn't have a plane because you can't have like a runway that goes a long distance. Football's I- out of the question. I feel like there was a mountain planet in Revenge of the Sith, and uh, the way that they got around that is like the cities were built on bridges, like suspended in between peaks or something oh. like that. See, that sounds terrific. Are you talking about Utapau? No, Utapau would be the sinkhole planet, Peter. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I was. Oh well, actually, I was about to well actually you. So <laughs> no, it's um. It's in the montage of Order 66. Oh, good call. And I want to say Kiati Mundi, maybe? Hmm. Or Plo Koon, but I don't remember specifically. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of planets, Ibar has been mentioned one other time in the book Before the Awakening, which is like a young adult's novel that came uh, before Force Awakens. And they said there's some for- first order propaganda that says Ibar fell into famine during the rule of the New Republic after the fall of the Empire. So we have an idea, at least according to the First Republic, what happened to this planet after Return of the Jedi, which is kind of interesting to me because if that's true, the Rebels did this mission, they saved the galaxy, but Ibar seems to be no better off. Kinda yeah, sad. they kind of they kind of seem to be moving towards famine uh, mm-hmm. currently. So. Yep. Oh, that's sad. 
You know, it's something I noticed. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this yet, or like maybe I just started watching it on a good TV instead of on my computer. But a lot of the lines and details, like you see it on the control of the Phantom right now, look like they were drawn by crayon. Huh. Like or like color pencil. If you look at it, you see it later on when they're fixing the Phantom's engines, the lines of like the rivets in the engines are drawn kind of like a like a coloring book. It's really interesting style that but it's subtle enough that I just noticed it in season two. It's like there's a texture to the to the color itself, right? Or it's like painted on top or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. even I I noticed like Callus is he has little pins on his neck collar. And those pins look almost like a kid drew it in. It's really oh, okay. interesting. Yeah, check it out next time you watch in high definition. Why'd you do it like that? Why'd you say it like that? That's the technical term. High definition. Yeah, I've been why? doing it in low definition. I've been doing some low def watching. Yeah, but why are you doing that with your voice? Um, because I know what I'm talking about. Like if you go to Best Buy and you're like, hey, I need a high definition TV, that's how the salesperson says it because they're a professional. Okay. All right. I I might argue with that. I worked at Best Buy, and I'm not sure that everyone that uh, works there is a professional. There we go. We have an expert on on hand. And we're one of the different Best Buys. I'm an insider. Professionally worked at Best Buy in the inventory department back in the 90s. I'm jealous because I once applied for a job at Best Buy, but I showed up to the interview in shorts, and they didn't give me the job. Hmm. You think it's because you showed up in shorts? That's what Kyle Brabender told me. Because he worked there and he told me that. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, I just, I don't want to be somewhere where I can't hang loose. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that. Anyway, <laughs> so there's a blockade um, preventing aid from coming to the starving people of Ibar. And Hera is leading a rescue mission and she orders all the A-wings to push through the blockade. But Callus is able to detect what transport is carrying all the supplies for the people and he directs them to focus all fire on the on that ship. So is, Cal- is Callus being sneaky here? I remember there only being like one transport. Is there um, multiple transports? I'm, well, I think that he did, because so, later in the episode when he discovers that the ghost has the supplies, they do some sort of scan. Right. And an officer's like, the readings say the transport blah, 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 blah on that ship. So I'm, I'm assuming gotcha. he scanned it because maybe they're doing like a, like a runaround where you think it's on the transport, but they split it up on all the little ships. Right. Um, gotcha. But I don't know if that was established. That's conjecture. Hmm. Yeah. I have a, I have a quick question for you guys. Yep. How did, um, season or episode six end? What was the episode before this one? The episode before this one, a broken horn or something about a broken horn. (laughs) So it's the one, it was like a standalone episode where, yeah, yeah, nothing really happened to go into it, but they uh, rescued, what's his name? Vizago. Vizago, yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's some other hijinks. That's got our buddy Hano Anaka in it, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. We we talked about it a lot. My three least favorite characters in Star Wars, all in the same episode. Mondo, yeah. Vizago, Vizago, and then As Morgan. Yep. <laughs> it was a bleh. Yeah, tune into our last episode if you want my thoughts on that. But anyway, why do you ask? Oh, I was just wondering if there was something, because like at the, at the very beginning of this episode, you just 
you're introduced to some ships in hyperspace going to a location. So I didn't know if yeah, there was no. a previous setup for that or if it was just, you know, this is what's happening now. Yeah, we don't really so. know what happened in between. This is just in media reos, as they say. I'll take your word for it. I don't. I honestly don't even know what that. I'm not trying to like make a joke. I've never heard that. <clears throat> I think it's like the Greek term for like when uh, it used to be for like when something begins in the middle of action or huh. yeah, in- interesting in Rhea or maybe it's like Rias Medius or something. Yeah, was, I don't know. It's begins action begins starts <laughs> the story. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that does yeah. bring up a point that I'm like, I there, I feel like we've hit kind of this rut of the season already. It's a little early, but we I feel like there is there's this middle part where they establish all this cool stuff with Inquisitors and Darth Vader and Ahsoka and all this stuff. And then they just do like standalone episode after standalone episode for a little while, kind of killing time. And this is one of those episodes, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I'm conflicted about this episode because, spoiler, I really like B-Wings. Hmm. That is why I selected this episode. Because major the B-Wing spoiler. is my favorite classic fighter. Do you like the B-Wing less now that this is its origin story, though? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's okay. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. Its origin story did not affect me as much as... You know, Han Solo's origin story affected some people after seeing that movie. So, sure. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Kev, what's what's uh, what are your top three favorite ships in Star Wars? You can limit it to fighters uh, if you want. Man, I'm not prepared for this one. I'm going to say, uh, like Kylo Renzo, Kylo Renz. Uh, sorry, I thought you just said, did you just say Kylo? Kylo you Renzo? Your co-host. <laughs> yeah. I do. I call my co-host Kylo Renzo. I'm, <laughs> I'm Kev Obi-Wan and uh, he's Kylo Renzo and he couldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. But um, it's sad. Thai silencer? Mm. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. a sick ship. So <laughs> that one, uh, the B-Wing for sure. And uh, oh man. Uh I don't know that I can be, I, I feel so pressured right now. <laughs> um, probably like all the varying designs of the Star Destroyers. Like we see uh-huh. a Star Destroyer later in this episode mm-hmm. that is just like a super bomb diggity design. And uh, I was going to bring it up later, but I'll bring it up now. Like just the the big gray wedge of cheese floating through space. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of the first things you see in A New Hope and uh it's an image that's been stuck in my head since then, so we'll go with that. Are you talking about the Aquians class command cruiser? I believe I am. Yeah. So that I had notes for it later too, but there it's a cruiser that we we saw a version of it was the Jedi Light Cruiser during the Clone Wars. You've seen a lot of those. Right. This one's a slightly the, updated version that's made exclusively for the Empire. Are those the white and red uh Republic cruisers? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, they kind of look like a storms, like a, a star destroyer, except for they have little cutouts, like yep. on the sides. Yeah, those I are. I cool. just call those good guy star destroyers <laughs> on my show because you know, keep it simple. I like that. We'll get we'll get some more B wing stuff. I got, I got a lot of B wing stuff. I hope that's okay. Um, but in the meantime, they are turned away 
because the firepower is just too much. Callus ends up taking out that transport. He also ends up killing Go- uh, Phoenix Leader. I almost said Gold Leader. Phoenix Leader. Yeah. Uh, um, who was flying alongside them, which is kind of a bummer. Kind of sad. I mean, he's just basically an NPC, so NPC yeah. red shirt, so it's kind of a whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, another spoiler jumping a little, like I like, I like how eventually Hera gets his job, which I feel like is weird that she basically killed the person that she succeeds. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work, though? Yeah. <laughs> That's how my last fair. promotion was. I murdered my boss, and now I have their job. Right. Like, That's I how think- Vader does it. <laughs> Mike is looking to move on to principal. He's going to have to like fight him in combat or something in the cafeteria. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, it's like corporate Scott Pilgrim. Right. It's going to be nice. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Mm-hmm. Hair didn't kill him. So, Mike, you said something about NPCs, and I have a question. Sure. A l- so, these minor roles of like pilots and Imperial officers and stuff, they always seem to have their helmet or their hat like yeah. down over their eyes. Yeah. Is that, the, yeah. is that the symbol of the red shirt? Totally to me. That's the red shirt in like the Star Wars universe's helmet covering face or like for <laughs> okay. any animated yeah. show because that way you can just kind of copy paste their model. It's totally the, the, M- the NPC or the red shirt or the... Yeah, and uh, there's some great ones in this episode too. And I don't, I don't remember specifically Phoenix Leader, but I know there are a bunch of A-wing fighters that got killed in the first oh. two episodes, and they were literally wearing red shirts. R.I.P. Which I liked. Any, any A-wing <laughs> fighter is my favorite. Yeah, I'm going to be specific. The RZ-1 A-wing, though, not the RZ-2. Yeah, is that the OG A-wing? Yeah, the older one. I like. Yeah. I can't argue with that. So pushing on, uh, they they can't get through the blockade, right? Mm-hmm. And so the rebels who need to get through have to figure out, have to kind of retreat and come up with a plan to get through this blockade. Yeah, and one thing I like is that it's Rex's idea. Yeah, um, he tells them about the engineer. Yeah, which he's you know he's showing his worth. That was the reason they picked him up. Is yeah, not just his fighting skills, but his thinking skills too. Yeah, I was surprised to see Rex because I forgot that he had come back, and I guess at the end of season one. But uh, his plan is way better than Hera's plan, which is basically let's do the exact same thing, yeah. and uh, I'll do it better this time. Yeah, try it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, kudos is, to kudos yeah. to Rex for yeah. for being smart. Yeah, and yeah, and we uh, yeah we picked up uh, not to correct you, but we picked up Rex just in the third episode, third or fourth episode of this season. So he's still a well, new actually. Oh, okay, gotcha. here we go. Okay, actually, what's up? I love the well actually's. No, I'm just making fun of you. Oh, okay. No, that's the whole point of this podcast. We should just rename it uh, Well Actually, Well Actually. There's got to be a podcast called Well Actually. If there's not, we're starting it. I think that was a name that I had suggested to Lorenzo, <laughs> and he shot it down. So oh, that's that so good. and Thelony Baloney, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think I sent him a list of like a hundred potential show titles, and he was like, "Eh." I just found so many well actually podcasts. Oh, so. bummer. Yeah, Thelony Baloney is great. Yeah, Thelony Baloney is great. I want that on a shirt. I call out Thelony Baloney every once in a while. So. <laughs> That should be your first merch. Yeah. That's not not a bad idea. So we get 
we get Rex Rex telling us the engineer's name is Corey, right? Mm-hmm. And I have uh, no idea where it comes from either. No. In all my research, I couldn't figure out where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, you're being sarcastic, right? Yeah, I'm being sarcastic because it's from effing Ralph McQuarrie. Of course it is. It's Rebels. Everything yep. is. The, uh, <laughs> it makes me barf. Yep. So he's named after Ralph McQuarrie. It's so bad. I thought it was named after uh, where they find Eleven in uh, Stranger Things at the quarry. <laughs> oh, he's just like, because he rocks. Oh, yeah, nice. better. Your donuts Dead. make me go nuts. Dead joke. <laughs> no, I'm just saying stuff. I don't um, even know what that means. I don't know. Uh, but Quarry, not a fan of the Empire, we learn. Mm-hmm. And we learn that he has built a prototype of some kind of heavy assault ship. Yep. But we have to go to the planet Shantipole. Is that yeah. how you say that? I Shantipole. Have, I don't remember. I just read it. It looks like Shantipool. Shantipole. Yeah. I'm going to say Chanticleer, like the, like the rooster. <laughs> Chantipole. I barely knew her pole. That's my joke. <laughs> Sorry. That's my joke. <laughs> Did you actually write that in your notes? I wrote Chantipole. Barely know her. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I just I say mean, that with anything. I think you can say that with anything. Yeah. Kevin. Barely know her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Good. I don't know if that one works. <laughs> works. Barely know her. See, it works for everything. Just any word it works for. I think you, I think you might be a little. So we get to the planet Chantipole. <laughs> and since Hera is the best pilot they have, mm-hmm. Hera goes with Sabine and Zeb. Interesting crew dynamic. We don't see those three pairing up too much. Yeah. You know what else I thought was interesting is that uh, Kanan like volunteers her <laughs> instead of uh, Hera volunteering herself. Chanapol, every pilot in the galaxy knows it's a one-way trip. Hera will go. Kanan, no. I, I've i got to lead the next run on the blockade. If that fighter gives us a better chance to help Ibar, we have to get it. And no one else is volunteering to go, but I know you will. What do you say, Commander? Is he like her boyfriend? Like, what's what's he doing? Volunteering? Totally. The captain of his ship? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. There was some weird dynamic going on there that I thought was a little bit off. It's very odd, and he's very casual about it too. There's a couple of instances in this episode where it really hit me, like how delusional they are. Maybe where it's like, oh, the they they say it's a death trap for pilots, and he's like, send Hera. That's fine. Like, yeah, she'll be good. We'll get her out of the way and then yeah. we'll actually go and do the thing. And later in the episode, they're like in a dog fight, shooting people in the turrets and Cannon just kind of looks back and smiles. He's like, oh, this is fun. Like if this was real life, you'd be like, what if I just sent Mike without asking him? I volunteered him to go to North Korea and fight in a war. I do it. <laughs> but you probably wouldn't be like, oh, shucks, buddy. Yeah. Would you wear your Filoni baloney t-shirt <laughs> in North Korea? Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, they say Chantipole, as I mentioned, it's a death trap for pilots, and we soon learn why. So, Zeb, Hera, and Sabine go down. I uh, Speaking of that mixture, I, li- I like that they left Chopper behind. I mean, it makes sense, like, yeah, because he probably needs to do computer stuff on the ghost that they don't need on Chantipole, but... It's, I feel like that's another interesting dynamic. Like, 
Kanan doesn't hang out with Chopper very much. It's like the dad and son that don't have a great relationship. Yeah. And so it's like, why don't you boys get some boy time? And it's clear they don't because they're co-irritating him. <laughs> they are co-irritating him. That's true. Um, but the Phantom enters the atmosphere and while they're doing that, Hera informs them that the reason Chantipol is so dangerous for pilots is that ships suddenly lose power upon entering orbit. And that's when the Phantom gets hit by lightning and falls from the sky. But Hera is able to land the team safely. Yeah, that is one tough shuttle because she straight smashes into <laughs> one of those rock spires and like the wing doesn't rip off or anything. And yeah. she's able to land on a landing platform that's like, I don't know, 150 feet long, yeah. maybe. Yeah, the uh, the physics don't add up. Also, yeah. that scene of them falling through and kind of moving through all those spires totally reminded me of the crash landing on Edu during in Rogue One. Oh, I was just thinking of that as you were re-describing it to me. Your words are beautiful. Oh, it's poetry. <laughs> Little Walt Whitman for you. Yeah, I also like, it feels very coincidental that she just happened to kind of lose power right by Quarry's little platform and is able to make it to the platform, but and that's why she's a good pilot. Yeah, very true. So some Chantipole facts, which I know everyone's been clamoring for. The planet used to be treasured for its gas mining, but the winds and weather were too unpredictable for sustained mining. Right, because they were they had some gas that was similar to Tabana gas, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. You know what Tabana gas is, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Best pit and gas. It's Beldon farts. Yep. Um Yeah, I wonder what farted to make this gas. Hmm. Uh, Actually, I might know that because there's an animal we see called a dactylin uh, uh, flying in the sky. You also see them in Utapau. Um, And the only way I can really describe them, maybe if you're familiar, you have a better description, is like dinosaur horses with a goose head and bat wings. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking like a lizard mosquito. Oh, that's a good one too. So maybe it's... uh, dactylin farts that they were mining i think so because i'm assuming in star wars universe all gas is from animal farts um i don't that would, I, I think you're probably right that, that would make sense <laughs> um so um i'm wondering too so we learned that quarry isn't a pilot doesn't look like there's a lot of people on the planet it looks pretty desolate we know that all the miners have left so like how does he live like yeah i had the question of like how does how did he get there where does he get his food yeah totally right uh he basically lives on a landing platform like in a shack yeah and then there's he's got a garage that is the perfect size for a b-wing but he doesn't have any tools or any it doesn't he doesn't really seem to have any means of production or developing this technology so yeah and it also there's that doesn't look like there's farming or anything and as we know from star wars if you know what one part of a planet looks like you know what the entire planet looks like so there's no farming anywhere on the planet right plus on top of that he's a mon calamari so they're amphibians so some he needs some water yeah he can live outside of the water, but it's been made clear from first-person accounts of Admiral Akbar that they are not comfortable, and their battleships are actually quite moist, which is gross. Is this why 
he is about half the size of Admiral Akbar because he is like slowly turning into some calamari jerky. He's like a plant in a pot that's too small. His roots can't stretch out kind of thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's a perfectly reasonable explanation for this. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Although in those in those most recent Darth Vader comics and Star Wars comics that are all centered around the Mon Cala, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're pretty small. It seems like Akbar might be big for his size. That is one interesting thing. I'm trying to remember what book it is, but there's... They're kind of two different... I feel like the Mon Cal have... I don't know. Oh, it's Aftermath. That's it. Which is... It's really interesting. In Aftermath, there's a first-person account of Akbar while he's, like, doing, like, Akbar judo and, like, working out. And evidently, like, they keep describing him as, like, handsome and, like, buff. And so, like, I think that he's kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Mon Cal's. Yeah, that so, explains the accent. That, <laughs> that explains the accent and why he's so much bigger. Yeah. Yep. And why he's pregnant. Mm, yeah. And why he's a cop in kindergarten. Okay. So okay. that would make Corey the Danny DeVito? Yes. Why he's the big twin. So that's perfect. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, so he's voiced by Corey Burton, who also voiced Dooku, Cad Bane, and Zero the Hut. Which that's good, that's good company. Yeah, I feel like that's that like good company. That's a name I hadn't heard before, but it's kind of a murderer's row of characters there from the Clone Wars at least. Cad Bane is my favorite Clone Wars original character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Oh, I mean that's definitely good. I'm gonna put that in like my top three for sure. But I mean, God, Asajj Ventress and like um, yeah, yes, but Asaz Ventress was not uh, created by the Clone Wars, no, so I'm going okay. with just characters that, yeah. that were originated oh, from the Clone Wars themselves. Okay. So, Asaj Ventress was in, like, the Guinea Tarkovsky Clone oh, Wars, so and good. I believe that... Did, did, what about Oppress I'm, Savage? Was he in, uh, was he in original? Yes, okay. Savage Oppress. Savage Oppress, there it is. Yeah. I'm going to go yes. Zero the Hut, number one. Zero the Hut is is probably my second favorite. Number two, I'm gonna go with that weird like print, the Moncal Prince. Sure. Um number three, I'm gonna go with Zero the Hut again. Alright. Those are my three favorite characters in Clone there Wars. There it is. Yep. And uh so Corey's droid. Mm-hmm. I thought you would like this droid, Peter. BG eighty one. How did you know that? I wrote I like this droid, BG eighty one. That's my next note. Oh, we're we're well, on a good wavelength right now. Well, I mean, do you want to explain the BG reference? So, so my brother's name is BG. Plus, I like the I like the transparent dome. I thought that was cool, a cool touch as well. Do you like the BGs? Um, I'm slightly more than lukewarm on the BGs. Hmm. If that makes sense, it does. Um, so BG eighty one or BG for short. Um, is a Lothal astromech droid. So that's a different model than um, R2-D2 because it was made by a company named Lothal Logistics Limited. And from Wikipedia, I thought this was a fun description. It says, although they were not considered to be on par with the more advanced astromech models from industrial automation, Lothal astromech droids were considered to be decent enough droids. Huh. Which that's is like I, that's how I hope to be described. Yeah, 
<laughs> like he wasn't like I don't consider him on par with like the advanced his advanced peers. But the advanced was, mics. He was considered decent for a human. <laughs> he was a decent enough mic. That's humble. I don't mind that. <laughs> Just put like Zune on your uh, on your tombstone. <laughs> so there's we are introduced at this moment to the prototype B6 fighter. So it's not the same B-wings we saw in Return of the Jedi. It's a prototype to those ones. There's a couple um, differences, but the one thing that isn't different is the gyroscopic cockpit, which I think mm-hmm. is such a cool touch. I didn't realize yeah. that's what B-wings had until this episode. This is why I love the B-wings so much. Yeah. I don't know why, but just the fact that you can orient the cockpit to have an actual up-down mm-hmm. orientation and uh the rest of the ship just spins around you yeah, yeah. which is cool in atmosphere i gotta i gotta assume once you're in space that doesn't matter right so it kind of just locks i don't know yeah because uh i think you still see like Hera stationary and like the rest of the ship spinning around her so i guess it is the horizon line that you set uh okay because i mean if it's if, if it's affected by gravity then in space it would just kind of all spin i assume i don't know yeah, I don't think yeah. it's affected by gravity. It's they, they described it on Rebels Recon as it orienting itself to the horizon. So I think Kevin, you're you're right on mm-hmm. with that. But if you're in yeah. space, maybe there's an artificial horizon where you're just like, all right, just put it this way, and it'll just always stay level wherever you're attacking or yeah. whatever you're. Uh. There's a note that uh, they actually said that these fighters, the B wings, became a little less popular because you had to be extremely skilled. To pilot them because that effect where the cockpit didn't move was mm-hmm. disorienting to pilots. I can imagine yeah, that that would be interesting. Something that you would have to deal with. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you know if the like the gunner module does that have the same horizon as the cockpit, or does that just spin freely? That's a good point. Huh. It. Uh, it doesn't look like it has the it's it spins with the ship orients itself so i didn't even i didn't even think to look while reviewing the episode i just thought of it right now yeah well one of the episode one of the differences i was saying this is a prototype so there's a couple differences they when they started manufacturing the actual b-wings we know the asfo1 b-wing starfighter um Mm -hmm. they took out that gunner module that is on this one um they said so they said that the they were never able to make it light enough to be maneuverable for some reason this prototype whatever um quarry did he was able to make Mm -hmm. it pretty fast and punchy but they were super heavy when they tried to mass produce them so they took out that cockpit they took out the quad laser thing that we see later it mm-hmm. took off a bunch of armor and stuff like that, and it still was super sluggish. Mm. So, um, I thought that was interesting because of that. Um, it was a pretty bad dogfighter, so it wasn't really good at ship-to-ship combat. Um, that's why they use it as a bomber, or they use it as a blockade buster. When they took out the quad laser, they transitioned it with just a super badass missile array. So, those are kind of your big bombers that just come in and blow stuff up. That's interesting you call it sluggish because I've got a 
uh, maximum atmospheric speed of like 950 kilometers per hour, which seems pretty quick to me. Yeah. I think it's sluggish, like turning and maneuvering and stuff like that. Like it can go in a straight line pretty quick. I think we see that too. It seems like when the, this happens or when Tara does her test drive, she gets shot back and looks kind of surprised at how much, uh, horsepower it has. Um, so I'd assume it gets from point A to point B very quickly. It's not like those bombers in the last Jedi. But it, if a TIE fighter came after it, it would be able to outflank it super easily and take it out. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Um, so they said that's why um, in the New Republic era, um, they phased out those for the Y-Wings. Um, because those were a little bit more maneuverable and able to hold their own in a dogfight a little bit, but still hold the firepower um i like that they said after they were replaced by the y wings they were mainly used as race cars and a couple underfunded armies still had b wings but hmm. after the civil war they had b wing races which i so think they is were sick. so there is basically pod racing exactly now that's what i call pod racing hmm. that's right gyroscopic yep. pod racing yep um behind the scenes stuff they did you? I didn't notice notice this, but did you notice in Return of the Jedi we see B wings fly into the battle and we see B wings fly away from the battle, but you don't really see B wings in the battle. That's because mm. they're so thin. Were they added in post. <laughs> well, they're so thin they couldn't make it work with the blue screen technology in oh. Return of the Jedi. So they were just like, whatever. We just want to have them. Yeah, we'll just send them in, send them out. Yeah, like they did their job. Whatever. Yep. Um, I feel like they should be called like a T-Wing or something. That's always bugged me since I was a kid. I have the answer of why and it's not. It's kind of anticlimactic, but that always really bugged me when I was a kid. Yeah, it's because it's a blade wing, right? Well, so that's what they said. That was a Legends thing that they brought into the canon, but it's because it was one of the first fighters developed in concept art and they Uh, they called it. The A-Wing was the first one. It's like the model t forward yeah they just it was called like the b ship or something like that and so they were like mm-hmm. oh the a a ship that's an a wing they turned that into an a wing and the second one was b wing and they just kept it for some reason we do have some arabesh uh somewhere around this mm-hmm. where when one Corey's got like a name tag which is funny because he's the only guy on the planet it seems he's got a name <laughs> tag i guess yeah so that he knows that's weird that his moncal jumpsuit that only fits him is his and uh, he took the time to paint on the side of the cockpit. It says ASF-01 B-Wing Starfighter prototype. Hmm. Interesting. That's yeah, cool. I, I couldn't find... paint prototype on your ship. That makes it less intimidating to me. <laughs> I was... You know, like, usually longer words in Arbesh, like, look pretty cool. And I'm like, all right, this looks cool. Like, so uh, what do we got here? And it just says prototype. It was... <laughs> kind of anticlimactic so <laughs> um maybe cory maybe cory has a name tag on because bg really is just that basic <laughs> yeah that he's that bad of an astromech droid he can't even remember people's names he's yeah, like oh, okay i'll make a i'll make a name tag for you yeah maybe <laughs> when they called um a decent enough droid they were being a little too kind <laughs> <laughs> he's just like all you all you living beings look the same to me yeah, yeah that's that's uh you know that sounds reasonable i, I like a world yeah 
I like a world yeah. where he does that same test in every part of his life. Like, you're not a good enough droid. I'm waiting for the right droid to come by and work on my ship. Or like he oh. goes out to food and it's like, you're not a good enough barista. I'm waiting for the right barista to serve me my coffee. Yeah. Hera's speech that she gives, I'm moving mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. That kind of like makes him him go like, okay, like you are good enough. I chose to leave my family. I chose to learn to fly. And then I chose to use that ability to help others in need. It's all rooted in something I can't explain. A need to be up there. Because even when there are explosions all around me and things are at their worst, I feel like I'm at my best. We've wasted enough time. There are beings in need of help. And my ship is in need of a pilot. (laughs) It seems so disingenuine. Like it didn't, it, it was just like so conveniently placed. Yeah, and it didn't seem that moving to me no. either. Like, it just seemed, like, generic. Like, I just always wanted to be up there in the stars. Yeah, he's easy to convince, but he hasn't <laughs> had much human contact, so I yeah. guess that makes sense. Like, he's, he's pretty just open to emotion. Very easily manipulated, he was. Yeah, that's true. The one thing that I do like <clears throat> is that we meet Hera's father later on, and it's someone we've already met in the Clone Wars during the Ryloth campaigns. He's the freedom fighter. Um, and so it's, int- I like that little tie up where she's talking about the, the Republic ships flying in the sky when the Clone Wars came to Ryloth and she's talking about a specific thing we've seen before. And she was just had a different kind of view on the conflict, which I kind of like that quirk. Yeah. We are reviewing an episode with Sham in it next week. And uh, there's a moment where he's holding a small uh, Twi'lek that appears to potentially be green-skinned. And I am looking forward to figuring out whether that is a young Hera or not. Uh, So I don't have an answer for you on that one. That's cool, though. I like that. But but hopefully hopefully we'll be able to get to the bottom of that mystery. Yeah. Hera's excited to get back... um, get the B-Wing back to the fleet, but as we mentioned, Corey won't just let any pilot fly his ship, but she says a cool little speech, and he's convinced, and so she takes it out on a test drive and flies around, does some cool stuff, and fires this very powerful quad laser that we see. It's pretty cool, but Quarry decided not to inform them that if she does that, it will fry the hyperdrive, so they are now hyperdrive-less. Yeah, that seems like something that he should have should have <laughs> let them know about. Uh, yeah. Also, it seems like a that's... common problem. Their hyperdrives keep going down. Those must be fickle machines. Yeah. And the Phantoms was was blown out by the lightning bolts. So like, I like too that Corey just had a spare one. He's just like, oh, I just I just installed a new one on there, which seems like it should be like pretty hard to do. Like if my engine blew up and all of a sudden my neighbor's like, oh yeah, while well, we we're just chatting, I just put a new engine in. Well, I'm guessing the actual construction of a hyperdrive is difficult, but maybe if you have one already made, it's just plugging it in. <laughs> just plug in the USB. Yeah, exactly. Obi-Wan is able to uh, repair the hyperdrive on Padme's ship in The Phantom Menace in like, the time that it takes Qui-Gon to ride Neopi back in town and <laughs> walk back out there with Anakin. So can't be that tough. Yeah. Well, 
maybe I'm, I'm not giving their engineers enough credit. It's great design work, if that's true. So back um, to Ibar, <clears throat> Kanan, Ezra, and Chopper grab the supplies to bring to the starving people of Ibar, and they... Kanan hears from his contact that things are not going well back there. They don't have much time, so they decide they're going to just have to do the rescue effort on their own because Hera has not returned yet. So they face the blockade, and Callus locates that the supplies are on the ghost, and so he gets a smile on his face and goes, point the sh- all guns at the ghost, which I like that he knows the ship's name now. Like he's building in some adversarial familiarity which i like yeah that, that was nice yeah i also it's like oh no the hyperdrive's broken i wonder how they're gonna get out of this one <laughs> of course Hera just flies in at the last second it's like it, i guess it's one of my frustrations this episode i feel like there were a lot of false stakes it's like all right we need Hera to be the one to get the b-wing so let's make up this thing about how ships lose power when you go into orbit so we need a good pilot to get there and then once you do that the hyperdrive on the phantom's broken then the hyperdrive on the b-wing's broken it's like all right let's just keep doing stuff i'll just keep doing it's like all right and then kanan falls on his head and gets knocked out so now they don't have a pilot on the ghost just pile yeah. on pile on that's something that you know it felt actually threatening to me and that that kind of no. annoys me yeah and it's a lot of just peril built on top of each other yeah false stakes like- I, that's a, that's the a thing I really hate. False no. stakes. Mm, stakes. You guys are making me sad. <laughs> Way to go, Kev. That's what you like for liking that dumbass ship. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. Get our guest. <laughs> um, so that's exactly what happens. Hera comes in at the very last second. It turns out Quarry, as he stated before, put a new hyperdrive on the phantom and i kind of like this the physics of this which i didn't really understand but the phantom's towing the b-wing along with it through hyperspace so that means it doesn't matter how big your ship is if you put a little tiny ship attached to a small ship you can take it through hyperspace does that mean if you just had like a hyperspace engine you could just like ride it like a crotch rocket through <laughs> hyperspace maybe maybe you yeah. need like a spacesuit but yeah the physics should check out yeah i mean i'm thinking so was, i don't know that it i mean it made sense to me it's i mean as long as they're connected i mean it seems like as long <laughs> as the belt is tied tight enough then yeah. that should work out fine yeah i definitely never thought of the uh association between size of the ship and size of the hyperdrive so well i guess it uh, it makes sense if you have a powerful enough hyperdrive then it's like you just gotta like you just gotta like bolt them together yeah you can like carry this many metric tons doesn't matter if that's two ships or one ship Hmm. but like where does it end can the phantom like attach itself to a star destroyer and then bring the star destroyer through hyperdrive i don't think so there's been a lot of cool talk in that new thrawn alliances book about hyperspace lanes and you know how they're (laughs) affected and how they work and um, it's like the yeah. most rebels rebels thing you've ever said like oh there's been some really good talk on hyperspace lanes yeah it's good it's really good it's been there was a little section and they were thrones explaining some of it I'm like, mm, i like that i love that um so they go by Hera comes in in the nick of time she takes point and then she uses the aforementioned quad laser blaster 
and takes out one of those Arquean's class command cruisers that we mentioned before. That's a cool scene. Yeah, and Callus is looking, he's like speechless. He just goes, that's impossible. He just has no idea how that could have happened. And they're able to sleep, slip by. That's because the design of the quad laser doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I know that it's like the same as like the 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 blast from the Death Star, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. And the, it, that design seems to be popping up more and more in the Star Wars universe, and I'm just I'm not really a big fan. Yeah, of, we'll just yeah. like shoot multiple lasers, and it becomes like one bigger, better laser. Yeah, like what if that worked with guns? Like what if you get the bolts to hit just yeah. in the right spot? <laughs> Let how do you know? Maybe that bolts. is how it works. Yeah, I, don't I know. feel like it makes sense with the Death Star because at least you have like a satellite dish that has some type of central thing that could be emitting something that is being concentrated by the other lasers that are coming out. But when it's just a four winged ship, it's like, oh, we'll just shoot these together and then we got a <laughs> bigger, better laser instead of just shooting four other lasers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan. Yeah, and we saw it on the their Clone Wars lat ships yep. too, right? They have those those lasers. Yes. Um, yeah, they like the pods on the side yeah. shoot something that's almost like a lightsaber out. Yeah. Do you think those uh, lasers need to have a kyber crystal? Like, is that formation specific to kyber I'm, crystals? Well, I hadn't thought about it until now, but I think so. Interesting. So that so B wings would be kyber crystal powered. Yes. Interesting. Or Beldon fart powered. <laughs> one of the two. Maybe. What if it's red because it's built on a Sith crystal? Yeah. I be wings. I still can't wrap my brain around like how Sith crystals work now. So I'll just, uh, I don't know. I, I got to lock myself in the basement and, <laughs> and dig into that one yeah. before yeah, I can give you an answer. There's some conflicting information on it. Is there? It's confusing me. Yeah. I thought I knew how it worked. So they, so the crystal, they corrupt it, and it basically yeah. makes it bleed. Yeah, that's it. What makes I it like cry redness. Yeah, it's um, because yeah, they're it's sentient. It's right. it's I don't, know, I don't know if it's exactly sentient, but it's imbued with the living force, so it has some sort of life force to it. I would. I it don't know. I can't confirm. Metachlorians, maybe. Yeah, everything. Everything maybe. living has metachlorians. Man, does it? Yeah, no, that's that's a fact. Everything, I mean, every living being. If that's your theory. No, it's a, according to Star Wars. <laughs> every but not living. George Lucas. No, because did you, did you not listen to our entire deep dive on the Force? George Lucas never said that thing. About. That, About it being a theory. That it could just be Qui Gon's theory. Yeah, George Lucas never actually said that. I don't remember that. I don't yeah. remember that episode. I'll have to go back and listen. Yeah, so review in our three-part deep dive of the Force. Man, I got homework to do. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's is—it's been established that every living thing has at least one midichlorian. Well, how come you can move rocks around then? Rocks aren't living? The debate, they, the, you don't need to have li- midichlorians to be able to be lifted. Mm, so the Yuzong bong is out, is what you're saying? I guess so. I, that's a complete <sighs> black, like, black hole for me. I, I, don't, I know nothing about the Yuzong bong except for what they look like and their name. And that people like them. We will have to talk off air <laughs> and I will educate you. That would be a good like legends deep dive to go into because I know a lot of people are super into them. Yeah. Like space zombies, right? Yep. Sick. Yeah. We, we won't get into it too much, but the, 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 um, 
the conflicting thing that I think what you're thinking of, Mike, is that there is debate on whether or not metachlorians translate to force power. Um, like if you have more metachlorians, does that just make you a more powerful Jedi or Sith? That is up for debate. Um, but it has been pretty clearly established that the metachlorians are what allows the living force to talk to the cosmic force. So George was always down with um, metachlorians being part of the force, but not that having more metachlorians makes you more powerful in the force. Is that what I'm, that what I'm getting? Yeah. It's unclear what, what he thought about during the prequel era, but it is true that in the first draft of star Wars, he was, he even talked about metachlorians in the original trilogy, but they took that all out. So it was an idea he's had for a really long time. Interesting. Yeah. But um, they drop off the food to the people of Ibar, and Hera is promoted to Phoenix leader for killing the person that previously had that role. Yeah, it just makes sense. Well, actually, also, she screwed up the first mission. So she did a bad mission, killed, killed the person who had that role, and then did a good mission. But even that all washes out to her being now Phoenix leader. I think they just needed, I think they just needed someone to take the position <laughs> and Kanan recommended her and they're like, great, it's fine. Yeah, probably. They were like, like well, we have nice. a vacancy. There was one thing that confused me is because so Kanan, like after he gets the promotion, he says very kind of like s- smugly and like, like, so I forgot exactly what he says, but he's like, yeah, good job, captain. And it's like, wait, but she was already a captain of her own ship. Is he implying now she's like a captain in the military too? It's confusing. So. Now she to has me. her own. Now she has her own, like her own squadron. Now yeah. it's more than one ship. So she's a captain of a captain. I am so glad I'm not the only one that was confused by that. <laughs> Good. Like my last note that I wrote down was, I thought that she was captain. Yeah, I, I like captain of just her ship now. I now I think it's like cap like a captain within the rebellion, like the burgeoning mm-hmm. rebellion. Before it was just captain of her ship. Yeah. Totally. That's I think I that saying. I think that's the case. It's just funny that it's the same term to me. Like it would, it would have made more sense if he was just like, like, good job, commander, or something like yeah. that. Or I'm like, okay, that makes sense that it's differentiating. But it's like, well, she was always a captain, or like just a different type lieutenant. of captain, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very very odd. Yeah. But I mean, that's basically all she wrote. There isn't a lot to this episode. Yeah, this is a pretty straightforward one. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else had any other notes. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's about all I got. Just that I like the red shirts commenting. <laughs> that is good. I had one about Zeb being fat like a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I like when Zeb body slams um, Corey. That's, a, that's an old Mon Cala. I don't know yeah. why he did that. An old small Mon Cala. <laughs> also, I thought the music was really good after Hare gave that speech kind of my last comment oh yeah there was some great music in this episode and i also like uh the visuals of the explosions that we see throughout Mm -hmm. they look great they look um they look the same style that you see in the ot yeah totally yeah kind of they've been using that effect a lot which i love it kind of looks like like a roman candle or something like that yeah like Mm -hmm. it looks like 70s it's really that's a cool touch yeah. You yep. make fun of the Ralph McQuarrie stuff, but I do actually like that they are you going back to a lot of the source material for the visual aspects of it. 
that's one thing that that drew me to this series. Yeah, I haven't seen any of Rebels in a while, and uh, reviewing the reviewing this episode, I was pleased visually. So, and I will say, final thought: one quote from the show: "Never get between a Mandalorian and his weapons package." (laughs) Cool. Apparently, a common saying. So, when we close out these episodes, we like to judge it on a little bit of a silly, fun scale. So, Mike, would you like to tell us your scale? Sure. So, on uh, from the most from the thing I currently think is best in Star Wars canon to the thing I think is worse. So, from uh, the peaceful death on Yoda on Dagobah, where you see the lights fade out. Mm-hmm. To Han Solo gets his surname from a cheeky Imperial officer. It's awful. <laughs> I rate this episode the first time we see Anakin's pod racer. And he fires it up for everyone. Because this episode kind of reminds me of that. Like the first time we see a B-Wing. And they're both kind of on par of... Actually, I think the Phantom Menace one was better because it's working in line is the funniest thing ever but yeah. that translates uh, i'm gonna give this episode a c plus okay fair mike you stole like half my <laughs> skill there yep so i might have to think on the fly here all right no no if it's the same if there's crossover yeah it's all right please. you can say the same one i'll i'll do mine and then you can think of if you want to change it or not but you know what follow your heart follow your bliss so mine is my favorite thing in Star Wars currently is the last Jedi throne room battle scene. My least favorite thing in Star Wars currently is the hit song from Return of the Jedi special edition Jedi Rocks. I give this episode a wedge Antilles because he doesn't get a lot of screen time, but he packs a big punch. Mm. And so... It's that doesn't really make sense on my grading scale. I just liked that. I give it about a B minus. Okay. Cool. Uh let's see. On the high end of my grading scale, I'm going to say the cameo appearance by Darth Maul in Solo. Uh, Bold I choice. was also going to choose Han getting his last name from <laughs> a surly Imperial officer, but I think I will change that to the relationship between Ewan McGregor and Dennis Lawson and the fact that it kind of feels a little bit like nepotism for him being cast. Mm. And I will grade this uh, somewhere in the middle. And... I think it's going to be the ending of Rogue One where everybody dies in a fiery ball of light and silence. So I'm going to give it about a B minus. Interesting. You know what? That's it's one of few instances though of nepotism. I think working in favor. You know, McGregor, great, great pickup. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, which he played Wedge Antilles. So yeah. that ties into my grading scale too. I'm just I'm feeding off the synergy. It's beautiful. Ooh. 
I was definitely going to go full solo in my in my green scale. Yeah, it's quite the whiplash. But, uh, your your favorite thing and your least favorite thing all at once. Yep. So yeah. Well, what I love I love me some Darth Maul. Darth Maul, Cad Bane. You got it. That's yeah. That's interesting. You know, I get behind that. Cool. Definitely get behind that. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at not the nerds. Uh, all of our most of our stuff is abbreviated to not the nerds. Lorenzo's uh, in charge of our Facebook page. That's at the nerd at not the nerds podcast. Uh, Gmail at not the nerds podcast dot com. My show is called These Aren't the Nerds You're Looking For. You can look us up on pretty much any any pod catcher of your choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Peter and Mike said at the beginning of this episode, we do kind of deep dives into the Clone Wars currently. Uh, we run chronologically, so it's not season one, episode season one, episode one, season one, episode two, but we run through the story in the order that it actually occurs not the order Mm, of release so uh that's about a two and a half year adventure (laughs) and we're 25-ish episodes in somewhere around there yeah it's got only getting longer now it is only getting longer (laughs) we've got big plans for the future yeah and if you liked uh what you heard mike and i appeared on an episode where we talked about space pirates and we dropped some curses so you can hear if you think i said fart a lot in this episode just wait to yeah. hear that episode we are an explicit podcast we don't hold back so you know you get to come on and say whatever you want if it makes you happy great <laughs> if it doesn't you know that's what we're there for so beautiful nice um well if no one else has anything else why don't we just close this out i appreciate you guys letting me come on and talk talk about rebels yeah, thank you so much um yeah and if you enjoyed your time with us, you can check us out at Rebels Rebels Pod on Gmail. Send us an email there, or you can do Rebels Rebels Pod on Instagram or Rebels Rebels Pod on Twitter. Um, check out our bonus episodes. We're dropping those currently, and we have some more fun guests coming up. So please subscribe. Please leave us an, a rating on iTunes. That's the best way for people to find us. Um, yeah. Yeah, and until next time, remember to be brave out there. And don't look back. Don't look back. These aren't the nerds you're looking for. (laughs) Cue the loud music. Cue loud music.